it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. everybody and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Jets Radio. This is one of your hosts Tyson Roush. I want to welcome everybody aboard. We have an, an action-packed show. We got a special guest. We're going to take your draft predictions as you know, we're only two days away and there's a lot of rumors, smoke screens and everything else. So without further ado, I will introduce my co-host Joe from Long Beach. How you doing man? I'm doing great man. Can't wait to get into what we have going on here. So let's get into the show man. Let's go Jets. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about, no doubt. And without that, without being said, I'm going to bring on our, our special guest, and it's um, Eric Coleman. Eric Coleman is a, a former New York Jets safety, and he's also the current analyst for SNY. Those guys do a great joke covering the Jets, pregame, postgame. They're doing a draft show. So, Eric, this is Joe and Tyson. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on today. Eric, man, I can't thank you enough for some time tonight. I know you're probably busy researching the draft and, and probably with the mini camp today and, and things like that. Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. You know, uh, the, the the Jets always stay busy. You know, it's it's a it's a fun time of the year. The draft, everyone's getting excited, uh, and, I, and I'm just glad to be a part of everything. Eric, before we get started with the good questions, here's my question for you: What is it like sitting in studio with with Ray Lucas when he's going crazy over a hot Jets topic? <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. You know, Ray is is. The, the, the fun thing about Ray is he is always who he is. You know, he's going to be Ray. Uh, he loves the Jets. Um, you know, if they make a mistake, if, if something bad happens, he's going to let them know, let everyone know. He's going to let the world know how he feels about them. But, you know, ultimately he loves the Jets, and, you know, he just wants the best for them. Yes, absolutely. Ray is a, a definitely an opinionated guy. Uh, hello, Eric. My name's Joe. I want to welcome you to the show as well. Uh, my first question is, what are your initial thoughts on Bowles and McCagney? 
uh, my initial thoughts, I was I was very excited. You know, they're, they're two personnel guys. They have, they have backgrounds in football. Um, they know how to evaluate talent, which was something that I was looking forward to, to having. Uh, you know, the past general managers, no, you know, no hard feelings against them. They were salary cap guys, and, and I was – I'm glad to see that they brought in some guys who know how to evaluate talent, who can uh, manipulate the roster and, and get the best out of the team. Okay. Uh, do you think that Bo's defense will actually work here? How do you kind of feel about his scheme as a fit for the players that we have here? I, I think it fits great. You know, re, you know, everyone uh, talks about how aggressive Rex Ryan's defense is, uh, de- uh, how he calls the defense. You know, Todd Bowles is more aggressive. He, you know, called the most blitzes out of any coordinator last year. So, um, you know, a lot, with the moves that they made, bringing in Revis, Cromartie, Screen, um, you know, I think they're going to be able to call those blitzes and, and call them effectively. You know, bringing back David Harris was a big move. You know, the front, you know, the front four was already uh, taken care of. So uh, he has a great defense to call, and I think he's going to be a great leader for this team and, and exactly what they need after after Rex Ryan. Eric, do you have any concerns? You know, one of the biggest things with Rex Ryan was he, he was really focused on the defense, and he was kind of hands-off with the offense. I mean, Todd Bowles seems like he's saying all the right things initially. I mean, t- even today he said, you know what, I know the defense. I'm going to watch the offense. Do you have any concerns about Todd Bowles being a well-rounded coach? No, I don't. You know, I, I think that, you know, coaches learn from other coaches' mistakes. And I think that, you know, everyone learned from kind of Rex Ryan's mistake last year of only paying attention to the defense. You know, Todd Bowles is going to come in. He doesn't know much about – I mean, I'm sure he knows about offense. You know, he's an NFL coach. But he's going to pay more attention, get involved with the offensive play calls. I don't, I don't think he's going to call plays, but, you know, he's going to have some input on, on what they're game planning for. Um, so I think, that's, I think that's smart as a head coach. You know, you're responsible for the whole team. You should have your hand in every um, facet of the game. And, and that's smart by him, and I think that ultimately uh, it will help them to be a better team. Yeah, I agree. I think most of Jets Nation right now is very excited about Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnan. As you look to the draft, I mean, it's obviously in two days. You know, as a former fifth-round pick for the Jets, how difficult is the transition from the college to the NFL, especially in the New York market? Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a big transition. You know, there, there are a bunch of different levels of how, um, how you have to transition. One, uh, for myself, I played in Pullman, Washington, and they have, there's about 35,000 people in Pullman, Washington, and there's 28,000 of them are students. So, you know, getting drafted by the Jets uh, was a big difference. You have to get used to the culture of the city that you're drafted to. You have to, um, you have to develop to the NFL game. You know, I walked into the locker room as a rookie, you know, 21 years old, uh, and there's grown men. You know, there's guys that have children, they have wives, they have um, you know they have families that they that they take care of. So this game it's no, it's no longer a game. It's, it's a little it's a little more serious than that. So you have to take that into consideration. And then you know the playbook. You know the playbook. You know we didn't have it on iPads when I first got in the league, but it was a, it was the size of a phone book. And there's a, so many different schemes that you have to know. Um, as a, as a safety, I had to I had to make play I had to make calls I had to make checks. Um, you know every every defense changes once a guy goes in motion. So there's there's just so much that you have to know. Um, the, the knowledge of the game has to has to elevate tremendously to be able to play in the NFL. It's such a it's such a quick game. And to take it a step further, what is it like with the media pressure? And just like it seemed like the New York media, as as you know now, you're you're one of them now actually. But how much the media pressure on the young players? And can you get caught up in it a little bit? You can you can get caught up in it. You know, especially at positions like quarterback. You know, it, it's tough, and they hold. You know, they hold the quarterback, you know, I'll give a lot of responsibility to the quarterback, even a young guy. 
you know, you saw that with Mark Sanchez. You've seen it with Geno Smith. You know, they're, they're under a microscope. But, you know, as a, as a young player coming into this New York media, you know, you have to pay attention to what you say. You know, I, I remember they, they, gave, they put us in classes, you know, actually talking about um, how you answer questions, how you answer tough questions. Don't talk about your teammates. Um, always answer the question, you know, the, the way that, that you want it to be portrayed, you know, because, um, you know, there are some smart reporters in New York, and if you say the wrong thing, it can be locker room material, it can be, uh, you know, on the front page, and, you know, you don't want to get uh, trapped into, into making a mistake like that. Can you explain what your off-season workouts were like and what kind of training you did in the off-season to kind of hone your skills and get better as a player? Oh, man, the off-season, that was uh, – you know, go, when I hit my first off season, it was kind of like that was an awakening for me. You know, you're used to, you know, coming in, in college, you know, you're used to relaxing for a little bit, and then you start, you know, the winter conditioning. Uh, but in the NFL, you know, it's a it's a full time it's a full time job. You know, um, as soon as the season's over, you might take a week or two off. But I would always go out to Los Angeles and train with my guy Terrell Gaines in, in, in L.A. Um, you know, it was intense. You know. You try to focus on your on your weaknesses and, and and build on your strengths. So you know, come after my first year in the NFL, you know, I thought I I needed to be more stronger at the point of attack. So I was working on my explosiveness, um, working on my my open field tackling. You know, working on my speed. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun and and it's cool because most trainers have guys from every team. So you you know you get to meet new friends. You get to you know run into guys who you played against in college or played against in the NFL. And you guys are now training together, competing with each other. And then once you get into the season, it's like you have someone else to root for. So, um, you know, training the off season, training the off season was one of the highlights. It was always a highlight uh, to my career. I look forward to it every year. Did that training include any kind of film study, Eric, or was that you know kind of on other people to to take care of for you? You know what? Uh, that was, at the beginning of the off season, I would really try to get my mind off football and just get my body prepared. Um, as you got into, you know, the OTAs, training camp, that's when I would start hitting. I mean, OTAs and, um, you know, off-season workouts and summer camps, that's when I would start, you know, really focusing in on watching film, where can I improve. I would watch guys who I admired. You know, I'd watch Brian Dawkins. I would watch, um, you know, Troy Palmolo, guys who I thought played the game right. You know, and uh, I would try to try to pick out things of their game that I could work on in the off-season. So, um, you know, film study is huge. It's, it's always huge. You're always trying to figure out, you know, how you can do things better, how you can make a, a defense look more confusing to a quarterback, you know, how, and how you can improve your game. So, you know, the offseason was, was a big time. And, um, you know, it's something that as a player you have to kind of mature. You know, you have so much free time and you have to use it the right way and, and put it, you know, towards getting better. If not, you know, you're going to get beat out. Uh, once again, we're talking with Eric Coleman, the uh, current SNY analyst and a former New York Jet. Eric, what in terms of when you saw your teammates training and even watching film study, if you saw somebody not really doing their job or kind of slacking off, do you take it upon yourself to kind of address it, or maybe would it, is that really a coach's responsibility? How does that situation get handled? You know what? It, it, it's, it's a lot different. You know, in, in college – you know, I remember guys, you know, getting in, getting in each other's face. You know, you're not working hard. You know, you got to get better. You know, but once I got to the NFL, it was kind of like, you know, you see a guy slacking, you're going to tell him, you know, let's pick it up. You know, let's get after it. But at the end of the day, you have to, you're, you're fighting for a job. So you can't really concern yourself too much with what the next man is doing. And that's kind of something that I learned when I was in the NFL. Is like, you know, you kind of have to take care of your responsibilities. And if someone else wants to slack off, 
you know, then they probably aren't going to be on their team. So, um, you know, you're, you're kind of focused on yourself more. You know, you want to get that camaraderie going with the team and, and, and pick guys up. But if a guy isn't, you know, responding, then you have to leave him alone and let him learn the hard way. Yeah, and as a follow-up to that, I mean, one of the biggest stories this offseason was, you know, Jay Samaro mentioning that there's a tardiness issue. Willie Colon kind of mentioned it. Even Demario Davis and Muhammad Wilkerson mentioned it throughout the season. When there's those mm-hmm. kind of issues on the team, is, it, is that the responsibility of the coaching staff to address it? Like, listen, if you're late, you're not playing, we're going to cut back your reps. Mm-hmm. Or is it more of a responsibility to veteran leaders got to say, listen, this is an issue, you're hurting the team. Like, you kind of already addressed it, but it seems like it was a prominent yeah. issue last year. How, how does that mm-hmm. get handled? Yeah, well, during the season, you know, it, okay, so initially it's, I, I would say it's on your teammates to hold you accountable. You know, they're going to get on you. They're going to say, "Come on, dude! You can't be coming to coming to the meetings late. You know, you're you're we're, we're you know you're you're accountable for all of us. You know, it's your responsibility to be here for your teammate. But with that being said, once those veterans say that to that player, the coach then needs to back him up by benching him when he's late, finding him, you know, doing things like that. You can't just go and find one guy, bench one guy, and then let another guy play. That's how you get that division in the locker room. And once that starts, you know, it's like it's like a plague going through the locker room. So, you know, your coach has to be stern. He has to be, you know, fair. You know, every player has to be held to the same standard. You can't let, um, you know, Geno Smith get away with it and let Calvin Pryor, you know, put him on the bench. That that makes guys frustrated, and you know, it, it kind of takes the the sting out of the out of the the, the message that the that the veteran players are trying to um, instill in the players. Speaking of Calvin Pryor, as a former safety, what are your thoughts on Calvin Pryor? How will the addition of veteran guys like Revis, Cromartie, and Gilchrist help him out? You know what? I, you know, watching film on Calvin when he was coming out of college, he reminded me of the, of the guy who I got drafted with, uh, Bob Sanders. You know, he's a very explosive guy. He plays like a bullet. You know, he, he's always attacking, um, very aggressive, very smart guy. Um, when I watched him in the NFL, I saw – that he was out of position a lot. And, you know, as a former safety, I know that a lot of that is uh, one of it. One is because they couldn't blitz as much. He couldn't get as much man coverage. Uh, you know, playing, playing strong safety, when you play strong safety, if your guy blocks, you go feel the run. He was playing a lot of free safety. They played a lot of zones. So he was in open space. That kind of put him out of position. Another thing that hurt Calvin from what I saw was that I felt like he had bad eyes. You know, looking at too much, can can be a, a bad thing if you're a safety. Not focusing on the correct key um, will will get you out of position. It'll make you a step late, and if you're a step late in the NFL, it's going to be a touchdown. So um, I think that's something that hopefully he'll work on in the off season. You know, with um, I think coach will help him. You know, he's a defensive background, so coach will help him, um, and Gilchrist will help him as well. But with that being said, with the addition of, of Antonio Cromartie and bringing in Revis, that's going to help free him up a little bit. He's going to be able to be aggressive, come down in the box, because you can leave those corners playing man-to-man coverage. You know, last year, you, the, I don't think the coaches could trust the corners. You know, you didn't even know who was who was starting going into the week. So um, it's going to be a big difference, and I think that um, he should have a great season. I'm looking for for him to have a Pro Bowl year this year. Well, on the flip side of that, Ooh, that, that's huge, a Pro Bowl team. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that. <laughs> that. I mean, that's that's what you want out of your first round. If you draft the safety in the first round, you expect him to be a Pro Bowler, and he definitely has the talent. You know, it's, it's a matter of you know putting in the work in the film room, applying that to the field, and uh, and going there and make, going out there and making plays. 
Okay. I'm absolutely ready to see that. I'm wondering on the on the <laughs> side of the ball, the offense. What is your evaluation of Geno and the quarterback position here with the Jets? You know, the quarterback position is tough. You know, there's a lot of pressure on that position. Um, you know, I, I feel like I feel like Geno has the tools to be a starting quarterback. You know, I, I feel like he has it, and I think that personally, I think that he needs a veteran quarterback to help kind of show him how to approach the game. You know, as a rookie, as a young quarterback, um, defenses are going to they're going to make everything look like mush. They're going to try to make it all look the same, and really it's a different coverage. So that causes a young quarterback to throw into some, some coverages, you know, that he was anticipating instead of reading the defense. Um, if, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick will be a good addition because he knows Chan Daly's offense, and he's an intelligent guy. So I, I think he'll help Geno kind of teach him how to read defenses, how to um, how to check the ball down, how to get rid of the ball when you, instead of holding on to it and taking a sack. And um, you know he's going to apply some pressure. You know competition brings out the best in everyone. So I think Geno can be a good quarterback. Um, I, I'm not sure if the Jets are going to. I know Mike McCagnan and Todd Bowles have said they want to you know add another quarterback to the roster. So I think there's going to be more competition you know, added into that, that, that quarterback position. But, you know, I think it's going to be – I think it's going to end up, in, at the end of the day, it's going to be good for Geno. Yeah, Eric, you mentioned about bringing another quarterback. And just touching on the draft, after the Mark Sanchez experience, after the Geno Smith experience, where they kind of didn't live up to expectations, do you think, mm-hmm. as, as a fan base and even the media, there's so much pressure on a rookie quarterback that's not really an ideal situation for a young kid coming into this, to this organization? Yeah, I do. I think there's a lot of pressure. Um, you know, not everyone's an Andrew Luck or a Peyton Manning. You can just throw them in there, and they can play from day one. You know, that that's a, that takes a special talent. You know, a lot of other guys, they need to they need to sit back and watch the game, watch how you approach the game um, before you go in there. You look at Aaron Rodgers. I know everyone always brings that up. But Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre for a few years, got to kind of soak up that knowledge before he was thrown into the fire. Um, it, it's tough for a quarterback, especially in New York, because when you make a mistake, you know, they're going to amplify it. Everyone's going to know about it, and there's going to be that extra pressure. Um, so, you know, it's a tough position to play, and, you know, especially in New York. But if you can, you know, if you can succeed and have some success here, you know, it can it can do great things for your career. Do you think it, it's going to be um... – I guess for Mike McCagney and Todd Bowles to really to step up and say, listen, we drafted, just say, for example, Garrett Grayson, but he's not ready to play this year or not ready to play right now. Do you think it's prominent for them to say that, where in the past Rex Ryan kind of just threw everybody to the wolves, created unrealistic expectations? Do you think they have to kind of change that mold for the Jets this year? Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's going to go by uh, – it goes by a uh, player by player, you know, you know, you have to kind of figure out, can this guy handle it? Is he mature enough? Is he, you know, physically mature enough to, to handle, you know, the load of being an uh, NFL player? So, um, you know, I, I think that they're, you know, they're going to try to learn from those mistakes made in the past and try to educate guys more and get them more prepared to play early. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there's nothing wrong with letting a, letting a rookie quarterback, you know, letting a rookie player kind of sit back watch the veterans do it, and then kind of ease them in into playing. Yes, and with that said, can you kind of touch on our receiving core as well? How do you feel about our receiving core with Brandon Marshall? Do you think he was a guy that kind of was brought in to solve our number one wide receiving problem? Yes, I do, and, and I'm very excited about that. 
Um, you know, I, I like Eric Decker as a player. I, I think he's a, he's a, a great addition to the team. But I never really felt that he was that number one receiver. You know, I feel like the number one receiver has to be be a deep threat, has to be a possession receiver, has to kind of have it all. And um, you know, I'm not saying Eric Decker can't be that, but I think with the addition of Brandon Marshall, that's going to free him up to to get one on one coverage and kind of show what you know what he does best. So um, I, I think that I think the receiving core is strong. You know, Brandon Marshall outside, Eric Decker on the other side, uh, Curly on the inside. You know, there, there are not going to be too many places where you can double team. And, and I think that, you know, with all those guys out there, there's going to be a big year for Jason Morrow. He's going to get a lot of one-on-one coverage with linebackers this year. So um, it's going to be fun to see. You know, I, I think that, you know, the quarterback position is key in this offseason and that they can get that solved. And, you know, there's, the sky's the limit for this team. Once again, we're talking with Eric Coleman, the current SNY analyst and also a former New York Jet. Eric, based on the draft, you know, Amari Cooper's a name that everybody hears in the first round, especially, you know, a top five pick, a number six pick. Based on your answer with the Jets' talent at the receiver position, could you see the team trying to go after Amari Cooper, or is that not really a need as a number six pick? Well, you know, I, my belief is, you know, you you can't you don't pass up on talent. You know, uh, Amari Cooper is a is a receiver that is is definitely special. You know, he's a one in you know ten year kind of guy. Um, I, I think that he would be a great addition to the team. You know, he he would push everyone. You know, he would push Brandon Marshall to be better. He would push Eric Decker to be better. You know, so you know, I think if a guy like Curly is sitting there, yeah, I think I would grab him. But, you know, you never know. You know, the Jets have other positions that they need to address. You know, they need a pass rusher. They need a quarterback. You know, they they need some offensive line help. So you you never know what they're going to do. But um, it, it's hard to see it, the Jets passing up on Amari Cooper if he's sitting there at six. Yeah, I tend to agree. And you, you mentioned pass rusher. What is your take on, on Quentin Copels, a guy that, you know, he shows flashes where he's dominant and some flashes where, you know, last year he was he was dropping back in coverage, which was – mind-blowing, but what is your take on Quentin <laughs> Copels? Well, you know, I, I really think that Quentin just they – need, they need to let Quentin know what, what they want from him. <laughs> you know, last year, you know, you saw him playing outside linebacker, dropping in coverage, then you pass rush. You know, a, a, you know, a young player like Quentin, he's very talented. Uh, he, he's a good pass rusher, but I, I would like to see him with his hand in the dirt rushing the passer a little more. I think that's where he's best, and that's where he best helps the team. And, um, you know, I think he can develop into be a, a good player, but they need a, another pass rush, and they need a, a dominant guy on the other side. Can you give us your thoughts on Muhammad Wilkerson and his situation, you know, getting re-signed? How do you think the Jets can kind of move that along and get that deal done quickly? Well, you know, it's tough. You know, Muhammad Wilkerson, you know, he, he's watching all his, his fellow defensive ends, you know, get paid, and, and he's been a dominant force. You know, no, he doesn't have the the huge numbers of a JJ Watt, but he's you know not as almost almost just, you know almost as dominant as JJ Watt. You know, he dominates the run game, he does his job, um, and, and he expects to be paid. I think guys kind of take it personal, and I think that's a mistake on 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 their part when you know when you take it personal, the team has assigned you, resigned you. Um, I think they they're going to resign him. I think he's a he's a, a huge part of this defense and this team. He's a big time leader. Uh, I, I think he'll. I think he'll get signed. You know, I think he just needs to get in camp. They may make him earn it. You know, make, make him play a couple of weeks. But he's definitely going to get re-signed and be a part of this team for a long time. Can you also give me your thoughts on our depth guys like Jason Babin and Jay Dusable? 
you can you kind of give me a role on what you think those guys will bring to the season? Um, those guys, you know, those guys are, are hard workers. Um, Jason Babin is, is going to be a guy who's going to give you everything he's got every play. Uh, he's, he's a good leader. He, he, you know, he's going to show those young guys. You know, say they do draft a, a young pass rusher, he's going to show him. You know, some tricks of the trade. You know, it's it's one thing to go in college and, and rush the passer. You know, you're just running around guys. When the NFL, those offensive tackles are, are getting paid a lot of money, and they're just as athletic as you. So you have to learn some kind of tricks of the trade to 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 set guys up. And I think that. Jason Davin will do a good job of, of helping in that in that way. Legit um, Doosable, he's he's a very good run stopper. You know, he he t- he'll take on two blockers. He's he's physical. He plays with a lot of energy, and he's one of those you know emotional leaders. So uh, I think both of those guys would do a great job. Um, you know, they're they're obviously not the starters. You know, but th- but they do a great job of filling in the D line. You know, they they rotate. So um, and there's not too much of a fall off when you see them come in the game. You know, and going to the other side of the ball, you know, one of the signings that the Jets recently made was Stephen Ridley, which kind of raised some eyebrows when they already had, you know, Chris Ivory and Bilal Powell, who I think kind of was underutilized last year with the Jets. What is your take on the running back position? Well, you know, that running back position is such a physical position. It's so demanding. Um, you guys are constantly getting hurt. You know, it's always good to have a fresh pair of legs available, you know, to run the ball. Um, you know, that, you know, coming out of high school, I got recruited as a running back and as a cornerback. And you know, when I when I saw the size of the guys on defense, I, I automatically said I want to play on defense because you know you're taking hits, you don't see where the guys are coming from. You know, you're, you're getting hit by one guy, another guy comes and puts his helmet in you. You know, it, it's a tough position, so you definitely always have to have depth there. And, and I think it's a good thing. It's gonna it's gonna um, make it a competition. It's gonna push Chris Ivory to be a better player and, and force Bilal Powell you know, out of his comfort zone a little bit. Can you give us your opinion on the offensive line? How do you feel that it, it's set as it is right now? Um, the offensive line, you know, um, I, I think that the starters are, are very good. You know, you've got three guys with, with Super Bowl rings and two guys that could, you know, that are pro bowlers every year. So, you know, they have a good veteran group. Uh, with the offensive line, though, you always have to have depth. You know, it's a tough position. It's a demanding position. And you ha- constantly have to, you know, uh, develop talent. You know, you look at those those good teams like New England, you know, they lose a guy, there's another guy that's ready to go. You know, you have to continue to, to draft players, develop guys to, to fill in for those spots. You know, the, that offensive line is, is is an older group. You know, they're, they're all veterans. And, you know, at some point in time, you know, they're going to have to move on to some younger guys. So, um as starters right now, they look great, but you know they're definitely going to need to develop that position. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Yeah, and I think the one thing that Mike McCagney has done a good job of is he's adding a lot of depth and a lot of competition, which hopefully, you know, like you said, works out to you get you know, increased competition, increased performance and production, and, and you, know, you get better play. Eric, what, what is your overall assessment of this Jets offseason? They made a lot. They made some splashy moves. They made some death signings. They re-signed some guys. As we head into the draft, what's your overall analysis of the, of the New York Jets? Oh, I mean, so far, the, the moves that they've made have shown shown everyone that they're not in a rebuild. You know, they're not. They're trying to compete right now. They want to go out there. They, they're trying to go beat New England, and you know, you know, New England's a path to the Super Bowl. So um, they've shown that they're trying to address all the weaknesses from last year. Um, I'm excited about what they've done in the off season. I think they made some great moves, and I'm really looking forward to to the draft this weekend. Do you have any official predictions for us for the first round pick? <laughs> you know what? That's that's so tough because you know those those first five picks, five six picks are so fluid. You know, you hear so many rumors about the trade for you know Mariota. Is Tennessee going to trade for him? Is you know somebody going to come out of the woodworks? Or the Eagles going to trade for him? And you know one one pick that's different will throw off the whole draft. So um, I, I think with that being said. You know, obviously if Marcus Mariota's there, which I don't think he will be, you know, I think they'll grab him. But if not, you know, I think they'll go get a pass rusher, um, you know, possibly an offensive tackle. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. And like you said, if Amari Cooper's there too, that can make things interesting as well. Absolutely. Well, Eric, I want to thank you so much for your time tonight. We definitely appreciate it. You have our our Twitter accounts on on fire, and you know everybody loves watching you guys on, on SNY. Can you give our listeners uh, how they can follow you and how they can you know keep track of what you're doing? Oh yes, I'm uh, I'm on Facebook. You know my name is Eric Coleman. Um, on Twitter at Eric Coleman. On Instagram at Eric Coleman. Uh, you know, follow me. Give me a shout. I'll say hello. I'm not the best on there. You know, I try. I, I'm trying to get better on Twitter. So uh, you know. Go go follow me. <laughs> Eric, I can tell you one thing. After our show tonight, you're going to get thousands of questions, and we have some 13-year-olds that really know their stuff that are going to pepper you with some detailed questions, man. <laughs> <laughs> if my wife lets me, uh, lets me get on my phone, I'll get on there and answer all the questions I can tonight. <laughs> Eric, once again, thank you very much for your time tonight. We appreciate it, and have a good night, man. Thank you, guys, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. All right, Joe, that, that was our, our guest, Eric Coleman, a former New York Jet, who I, I love watching play the safety. I was kind of bummed when he left. And he, those guys do a great job in S&Y. I, I enjoy hearing what they say. And he gave us a lot of information tonight, man. I, it was Anything that really stuck that stuck in your head? Oh, absolutely. When he talked about Calvin Pryor being a pro bowler and that, you know, he's going to be freed up to do different things and he was playing out of position, uh, those things definitely stuck in my head. I'm looking to see Calvin Pryor improve this year. That's one of the things I think is, is going to stick with stick on bowls and his defense and how how it gets gets what it needs to get done here is how can they get Calvin Pryor to produce? How can they get this guy to finally be the first round pick that they drafted? So I'm interested in seeing him, you know, improve and get better, most definitely. Yeah, and he made some really good points about the the additions of Revis and Cromartie, letting him go back into space where he belongs. The other thing that was interesting too was he kind of had the same perception about Copels that we do. It's like when you saw him dropping in coverage last year, you're like, what are you doing? Like, you know, like Rex is almost getting too cute at times. And to be honest with you, the more you read about Todd Bowles, the more you read about things, Quinton Copels could be set up for a very good year, especially with that secondary behind him. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that too, to see seeing that he uses Quinton Copels, getting his hand in the dirt, 
let him rush the passer. So we'll see how it all works out. But, man, if if, if Bulls can, can get those two guys to perform and Calvin Pryor and, and Quentin Copeland, man, we, we're going to have a ferocious defense for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, our phone lines are open, 929-477-2651. And we want to get your draft predictions. We want, we've want we talked to you guys for the last mm-hmm. two months about every prospect known to man. We brought on Jeff Lloyd. We brought on Rod Pickett. <laughs> we brought on analysts galore. So now it's your time to give us your official predictions. So we'll go to our first caller. And this is a good friend of the show. I love this guy. This guy's a, this guy's a fun guy to talk to. This is Nick from Maryland. Nick, it's Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? Tyson, what's up, man? Can you guys hear me clearly? You're good, man. Awesome. The last time I called in was back in December, and I, I remember you, I had a bad connection. But anyway, man, first off, it was, uh, it's was it been a while. Um, it was great to actually meet you in person at the Pats game in December. I got to meet you, Panda, um, who else was there, um, Jude, um, hopefully Joe from Long Beach, man. Uh, you going to come tailgate with us uh, this year, Joe from Long Beach? Absolutely, definitely. When I come down uh, to the to the game that I pick up, and I'm going to get down there, We're def- I'm definitely hitting that tailgate for sure. Good man, dude. I can't. I know, man. It's awesome, you know. To, you know, talking to you guys, but actually, like, hanging out in person and like drinking beers and getting getting that, uh, you know, pregame optimism, you know, before the in the tailgate. It's awesome. But what I wanted to talk about was, I think the Jets at, at number six. I'm kind of just a little concerned. I feel like we're just right on the outskirts of picking up like one of the elite guys in the draft. So let me just um, say what I'm going to say. I think you know it's going to be uh, James at one. I wouldn't be surprised if something happens at two with the Titans, whether they take Mariota or somebody jumps up and takes Mariota. Um, then at three, we can – and this isn't going to be necessarily order, but these are the top five players I think are going to be off the board when the Jets go at six. So then at three, um, let's take Dante Fowler off the board because I think that he's going to be scooped up probably by the Jags. Um, it sounds like the Raiders are in love with the, – they're a wide receiver, but unfortunately – for me, it sounds like it's Amari Cooper. And then at five, um, I'm thinking probably Leonard Williams is going to be off. So basically what I'm getting at, guys, is where does that leave the Jets at six? Because I know we want – and Tyson and Joe, I know you guys want a top pass rusher. We all want a top pass rusher. But are we really – do you think which, – which one of these guys do you think is worthy of a sixth – of the number six pick, though? Out of the ones left, between Beasley, between, you know um, – Randy Gregory, I don't really – I'm not a big fan of Shane Gray, Bud Dupree. Who who are we thinking that at six is worthy of that number six pick as an edge pass rusher? I could definitely see us drafting Vic Beasley. Vic Beasley is the guy that I have on my board. If you're reading what's running a mock draft or keeping any tabs on my mock draft here, I definitely have Vic Beasley being there at six, and I think us drafting him would be great. Yeah, I, think no, he's I, I, I definitely think he's going to be there at six. But you're, So, Joe, if, if the Jets got Vic Beasley at six, would you feel real good about that? You feel that he's going to be an impact player? You feel like the Jets Absolutely. took the best player off the board? Absolutely. I, I think he would definitely be an impact player. It's a guy that can come in and get exactly what we need to get done. He's a pass rusher. He's one of the better pass rushers in the draft. My, my question to you is, would you have a problem if we possibly traded down out of that spot and maybe we no, actually, actually later? Joe, I was going to bring that up. Actually, I think that's the most ideal situation for us right there because I feel like you can get one of those one of those good edge rushers. If we traded back to the middle of the first round, I still think that one of those guys might fall there. So that's what I, that's why I think that you know that would be our best case scenario. But I'll tell you right now, I really I was watching the Sports Center special yesterday, and they had uh, each play each player had uh, someone from the press drafting drafting for the team. 
The Jets got up at number six, and the exact five players were gone that I just mentioned to you, and it was Rich Samini, and Rich Samini got up, and he drafted Kevin White, the wide receiver. He said, and his, and his rationale was, his rationale was that he believes on the big board that Kevin White was the best talent left, and that's why he took Kevin White. I, just, I, I don't know. I, I, I've seen that as well, and I didn't necessarily like that because I don't think we need to go wide receiver that high. I think uh, pass rusher is a is a position of need here, and I think that if you can get it a guy is. like Vic Beasley, if you if you can get a guy like Vic Beasley, boom, that automatically, you know, if he comes in and produces, that that completes the defense that we necessarily need to go. Yeah, and but um, that's I'm wondering, Joe. I'm just I'm just nervous. I'm just a little nervous that if we take <laughs> someone like Beasley. We just take someone like Beasley, but what about if he? What about if he's just not the guy that that we're envisioning? You know what I mean? Like, I, I well, just I just don't know. I'm just. I... Yeah, but that's the thing is that when you have a coach like Todd Bowles with a defensive mind that he has, he's going to find a way to get this guy to produce. Okay, either way, whether if he, if he can't get it done with his hand in the dirt, he's going to allow this kid to stand up. He's going to find something for him to do so that that guy produces within this defense. So I, I just I, to me. With bold in line here, I, I'm not necess- I'm not scared at all. Fear does not move me here. I, I don't I don't make decisions out of fear, and that's something our franchise doesn't need to do either. So you have to trust mm-hmm. in this front office with McCagnan. It's not just bold; it's McCagnan as well. You got to understand this is a guy. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, McCagnan. Yeah, yeah. This mm-hmm. this is not Isaac. Okay, this is not Isaac. This is a guy that knows how to draft. Okay, he wasn't the guy that yeah. got the coffee for the guy that got the coffee. He was the guy <laughs> drinking the coffee at the end of the no, day. No, and he was the guy is, making Tyson, decisions. Tyson, are you as high? Are you as high on Beasley as Joe is? Uh, now wait, are you saying Amari Cooper is not available at six? Yeah, I'm he's saying he's that saying the Raiders took Raiders. him at four. I'm saying the Raiders took Amari at four. The best wide receiver on the board is Kevin White, and yeah, the, the, those top five guys that I mentioned are all gone. So basically, you're you're looking at Bud Dupree, you're looking at Randy Gregory, you're looking at Shane Ray, you're looking at Vic Beasley. Which one are you going to take at six? I'm telling you right now, it's not well. It's not Shane Ray because Shane Ray got popped for marijuana. So he's going to be down this. Yeah, the I, honestly, I'm not round. a fan of Shane Ray anyway. Randy Gregory's not part of the conversation. For me, it, you know, my first option is obviously trade down. To be honest with you, the more research I do, the more I talk to Ron Pickett and guys like that, Bud Dupree would probably be my preference over Vic Beasley. Okay. That that's just me. Yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not as high on Kevin White as other people is. I'm not questioning his talent, but just based on I'm a pass rusher guy. I just want to see a yeah. pass rusher with this defense. I mean, that's can you just you know I'm like you know since John Abraham, I know, we man. have that guy that can. <laughs> So that's, you know, it, it's a tough call because we just talked about Quentin Copel's kind of a dominant year. Does that lessen the need for a pass rusher? I don't know. So for me, I guess my answer is I would not take Kevin White at six. That's, I guess that's my answer. Would you, hold on, would you be surprised if McCagan and Bowles went Kevin White at six because on their big board he was the top talent left and they went best player available? Would you be surprised? I would be surprised, but the, the difference is, I actually have faith in our in our front office for the first time in a while because Mike McCagney's got a scouting background. I mean, these guys. I mean, the one thing that you you hear about him is his work ethic. He's a tireless scout. He's a, he's like he does his work. Mm-hmm. So if, if he if he evaluates a guy and says, "Listen, this is the guy I want for my franchise," I'm all in. Like I don't. I'm not going to sit here and criticize him. Like I don't watch tape like everybody else does. I just you know I watch games. I try to do the best I can. I you know I read analysts. But it, at this point, Jet fans. Let's not be the fans that when they pick a guy at six, you know, they're booing, they're lighting up Twitter. Dude, we when Mike McHagney got hired, everybody was excited based on his resume. Yeah. So for me, you got to back him up. You got to trust him at this point. Say, listen, you're picking these guys for a reason. So if this is the guy you want after talking to Todd Bowles and evaluating this roster, I'm completely cool with it. Yeah. 
Well, you're going to hear less booze because it's actually, you know, we're, it's in Chicago this year, so there'll be less Jets fans there. It sounds like you warmed up to Mari Cooper because I remember we talked on Twitter, I think it was recently, and uh, you still, it sounds like you still wanted the pass rush over Cooper. But if Cooper happens to fall at six, if the Raiders take Kevin White at four, you're cool with taking Cooper at six? Yeah, no doubt. And the thing was, it was interesting even hearing Eric Coleman talk about him, where, like, you know, he's going to push Decker, he's going to push Marshall, and you're having that weapon. You know, and, it, and Marshall is basically a one-year contract anyway, so if things don't work out, you're going to need a guy next yeah. year anyway. So, you know, it's it's not my ideal – I mean, you know me, man. I want to pass rush in the worst way. I'm, I'm yeah, ready, I know you do. You know, <laughs> I'm ready to sell T-shirts for one at this point, but if, if they take him, I can understand the need for it. So it's not like – I won't be that fan. They take him like, oh, you know, same old Jets. It's just, hey, listen. It's we Dude, have I'll the flexibility. If Amari Cooper falls, I'll be doing backflips in the living room or the bar, wherever I'm at. I'll play that right now. But I just don't think he's going to fall at six. Or by chance, if like Dante Fowler fell, or you know, I mean, if one of the- Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Those guys in the top five fell to six. You know, even uh, do you think if Leonard Williams is there at six, the Jets would take him? Oh, and, and that's and that's a question we were asked on Twitter a couple times today. If Leonard Williams falls to us, I'm going to use him as some kind of trade bait and hope we can trade down because there's got to be value for him. So I mean, he's I, I, my a answer beast, is no. Though, man, he's a beast, and he can, you can move him all over the line. What about if they run like yeah. some kind of a, some kind of four three hybrid if they get Leonard Williams just because he's so yeah. dominant, he can create such mismatches. I, I don't Listen, know. I, I don't I, know how they're going to pass up on him. That, that, I, under, that, I understand. Go yeah, Joe. Uh, that, that's an absolute. That's what, exactly what I thought when you said that. It's for whatever reason, which I highly doubt, I do not see happening that Leonard Williams falls for six. I don't know if there's a, yeah. a way you don't draft him because he is so dominant and he is a guy that yeah. you can move around and you know do different things with the defense with. I, I don't know if you can pass him up. And, and if he if he is trade bait, you gotta you definitely gotta get something in there that makes sense. You gotta. Talk about giving me a first rounder next year and something else for him because that that kid is going to be big in the league for yeah. sure. Uh, and I, I also is, feel is, like, I also feel at pick five there's going to yeah. be somebody we want there and the Redskins are just going to screw us. I just feel like that one <laughs> spot we're going to miss out by one pick on somebody we want so bad and everyone's going to be shrugging their shoulders. Uh, what do you what, what do you think about the second round? Who do you have? Who do you have us targeting in the second round? Well, it depends. If we don't take a wide receiver, we don't take like Kevin White or Amari Cooper. I could see them going like I can go see them going like top wide out in the second round. Um, I, you know what I mean? It just it's so hard. It really all depends on how this draft board falls. I st- I think that you know McCagan made so many good moves in the offseason that he he might just go best player available again. You know. 
You know, Nick, you know, the one thing, too, is, and this is the one thing I like about our offseason, is that number six, we have a lot of flexibility. We're not with the one pressing need. I mean, minus quarterback, obviously, but we're not sitting here like, oh, my God, we have to get offensive linemen or we're screwed. We can go wide receiver. We can go lineman. We can go pass rusher. There, there's, we have a variety of options, which, which I think is ideal. My, my last question for you is this. Would you consider trading up to five if somebody is there that – say if you want that Amari Cooper, if you say Dante Fowler could be available at five, would you trade up for that for him? Tyson, I'm so glad you asked that. Would I trade up one spot if there was a player that the Jets felt that would be an absolute impact player and they're in love with, like a Dante Fowler or Amari Cooper? Yes, I, I, I think I would. Um, I, would I would give up, uh, 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 you know, another pick or just work out some kind of deal with the Redskins to jump up to that one spot. Um, there's, I've seen teams do that in the past to, in the first round to just jump up that one spot. They give up, you know, not not a, something, but nothing too significant. But I think if, if if there's a player there that you want so bad, you're not jeopardizing your whole draft by jumping up multiple, multiple spots, and you only have to move up one spot and you can swing it, I think you absolutely do it. You pull the trigger and do it. Nope. Nick, before we let you go, man, what's your final prediction for the number six pick? Uh, my final prediction um, it's between. I'll tell you right now. I think it's going to be between Vic Beasley and Dupree. Um, I'll go with Joe. What Joe said. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of flip flopping between the two of them. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go Vic Beasley at six. Fair enough. Or I could Nick, see them man, take, always good. Or I could good. see them take Kevin White. <laughs> you can't. Wait, you can't waffle, man. You got. You got to take. We got to take one player, man. Who is it? <laughs> I think they're gonna. All right, I think they, I think they're gonna surprise everyone and take Kevin White. Oh, Nick, always no, good say, talking to you, man. Doing it. All right. Oh, always good talking to you, man. We appreciate you calling in. Yes, yeah, so guys, can't wait to can't wait to opening day, man. We can't wait to tailgate. <laughs> we'll talk to you later, man. Thank you. All right, guys. Peace out. Nick's a good dude, man. I met him at, at a tailgate, and he's got so much Jets passion, man. He was amped up in like December, just like we're gonna win this game, and he was he was all cranked up, Joe. He's a, he's definitely fun to talk to. Now we're gonna bring on our next caller, and our next caller, Joe, is a legend. This guy, mm. if it's whether it's Twitter, whether it's just an L7 tailgate, you name it, this guy brings a lot to the table, and this is the the man, the myth, the legend, Panda. So Panda, it's Joe and Tyson. What's up, man? What's going on, guys? Feels weird to be back on here talking to you two losers. <laughs> what's, on, what's what's on your mind, man? I guess you want to talk about the draft, the number six pick? Nah, I want to talk about hockey playoffs, man. You see that game the other night? It was amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Number number six pick. I mean, we already know, as Joe knows, Selena Keen is going to be the star wide receiver. So do we really need another one of those? I don't really know. Um, We're on the same page, Panda. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's going to catch 100 balls this year. I mean, come on. Exactly. But no. Outside of that, I mean, like you guys, I was just listening to the last caller. Listen, we take Kevin White. If, if I go to the stadium, I'm jumping off the top of the stadium. I'm No more one-year wonders. Please go away. Goodbye. Give me a pass rusher or an offensive lineman, unless Amari Cooper is there. If you take Cooper, take the short thing. He's a stud. Otherwise, give me Dupree, give me Beasley, one of those two, or even an Andrews Peter Eric Flowers because – Let's face it, the Brickshaw is long in the tooth. He's not going to be here for another year or two. And worst-case scenario, if no pass rushers there that you like and you can't trade down, why not take a tackle, plug him in at right tackle for a year or two, let him learn, and then in one or two years when the Brick is gone, slide him on over to the left side. You could do worse. 
Well, with that said, I heard you say Andrews, Pete, and, and Flowers. Are there any other guys kind of in the draft that you would look to? Would you have a problem if we took maybe offensive linemen in the second round, like an A.J. Can or, uh, you know, some guy like that, maybe Ali Mupart? Uh, I mean, those, I look at those guys more as guards, more interior offensive linemen than tackles. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to take a lineman after all what we've done in free agency, I want someone who's going to be able to step in at left tackle in a year or two. That's that's kind of where I'm looking at. Um, you know, and if they the sing with me, is it, it's in the first round, it's a good place to get a future left tackle. I mean, maybe if a guy like DJ Humphreys was there in the second round or, or maybe the Clemmings kid from Pittsburgh or even, I uh, can't think of his Jake name right Fisher. now, Texas A&M. Oh, yeah, Jake Fisher, too, but there's also a kid from Texas A&M who got hurt. O- Oka Hoobie or whatever. I don't even know what his name is. Some weird, some weird name. But that guy, I mean, you know, maybe one of those guys around, too, if you're going to take a Beasley or a Dupree at two to stay away from Gregory and Shane Ray. Please. But, uh, no, I wouldn't mind taking an offensive line in the first round at all, Joe. I mean, hey, you got to build your line both on offense mm-hmm. and defense. And to me, if Cooper's not there and you can't trade down, you take the best offensive lineman available as long as he's not from Notre Dame. And that's definitely something to talk about. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you. Please don't, 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 don't say that. You'll play that crappy song. <laughs> oh, I know he's going to play those songs. I knew oh. I was on here. Wow. <laughs> Dude, I remember wow. listening to that all the time when it was just me and him back in the day, and there was the three of us who <laughs> don't play that. Oh my, oh my goodness! It's like anyway, moving forward, I wonder. Say, are you opposed to the Jets moving up to get a, a Dante Fowler or maybe even a Williams if if we can? No, stay stay where you are at six. The only the only only way I want to see us move up is if we truly believe in one of the two quarterbacks. I personally don't, mm. but if the franchise does then you move up for the quarterback. Because without a quarterback, you're not winning anything in this league. As far as Fowler or, um, you know, anyone else, no, I wouldn't move up for them. I would just take Beasley or Dupree in that situation. Joe, do you have a preference between Beasley or Dupree? Is there one that you like more than the other? <laughs> I, it's hard to uh, for Joe or for me. For you, <laughs> you Pan, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Beasley, I mean – I can be honest, I haven't really seen much Dupree and haven't really heard his name until this year. I mean, a little bit of clips and that and on YouTube and highlights on ESPN, but not much. Beasley, you know, he's been on a national televised team for the past two years. You've heard his name for the last three years in college football. He's put up production. So, gun to my head, I would probably take Beasley. Uh, I hear a lot of people saying that Dupree's more of a bulls fit. I don't really know how you could say that when, you know, you don't know what he's going to do here. But, you know, I, I personally would take Beasley. Fair enough. And now, if you're looking at a running back in the second or third round, who are some guys that you're kind of considering or you'd like to see in the Jets? Duke Johnson. That's, that's it. Duke Johnson. I mean, T.J. Yeldon's my number two. I love T.J. Yeldon. I think you could have him in the third round. Duke Johnson was probably the more second-round pick. I would love him because we need some speed back there at running back. And both of those guys would bring the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield and make some plays. Johnson more than Yeldon. Yeldon's more of a straight-line runner. But he can't catch the ball out of the backfield as well. But Duke Johnson would be my number one guy personally. Can you give me some guys you might be targeting in the second round at wide receiver that we could possibly bring in and be, you know, kind of contribute as far as our, our speed guys and really give us kind of a boost on offense that way? Uh, I mean, if Doriel Green Beckham is there, I know he's not extremely fast, but he's a big-bodied guy who you know, probably could learn a lot from Brandon Marshall. If not him, Devin Smith from Ohio State. I mean, that guy's got speed. He doesn't have greatest production in college, but it seems every time Ohio State was making a big play, it was Devin Smith. And then um, if I had to pick another one, 
I don't know, maybe uh, maybe Sammy Coates. I'm not really a big fan of him. But uh, Chris Conley from Georgia, I would look at him in like the third round or the fourth round. He's not a bad option as well. But, uh, yeah, that would be my guy. Devin Smith, Adorio Greenbeck, and maybe Sammy Coates, but I'm not sure. I know a lot of people like Tyler Lockett as well, so maybe you could throw his uh, you know, name into the basket. But to me, he's more of a slot guy, and I believe we already have that, Jeremy Curley. Okay. Uh, say if Shane Ray, because as we know, he, he's got an issue with uh, marijuana, he, slide, he might just slide out of the first round into the second round. Would you be opposed to the Jets taking him in the second round, maybe as a value pick? Are you high on Shane Ray at all? No, I don't like Shane Ray at all. I didn't like him when he was viewed as a top five pick, top ten pick, whatever he was viewed at in the first hand. I wasn't a fan. And to me, when you have a guy like Shane Ray or Randy Gregory, I don't think a first-year GM and head coach can afford to take someone like that. How are you going to sell that to your fan base? How are you going to sell that to your owners? Well, those guys are going to go to teams with, you know, head coaches who have proven themselves in this league, general managers who have proven They're going to go to teams like New England, Indianapolis, uh, you know, Baltimore, et cetera. They're not going to go to teams like the Jets or the Bills, they're, they're going to go to guys who can take the heat. And Andy Reid, you know, he's done this before. He's taken troubled guys, turn them around, et cetera. Todd, Todd Bowles, Mike McCagnon, I don't think they're going to take a risk on one of those guys. If they did, I'd rather it be Gregory than Ray. I really don't see anything in Shane Ray. I don't get the hype. And now after this, I definitely don't want anything to do with him. They shouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, I, I agree with you, both of those guys, actually. Joe, what is your overall assessment of this offseason? I mean, it seems like they made – like, we talked to Eric Coleman about this. They made some splash moves. They made some depth signings. You know, as Mike McCagney's first offseason with the New York Jets, what is your overall – like, what is your evaluation of that? Well, I mean, let, let's start with the obvious. He brought in the greatest quarterback in NFL history, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I knew this so, was coming. to me, it's an A-plus-plus right there. Come on, Tyson. <laughs> You love him. I knew that was coming. You, you have a, we're growing out the Ryan Fitzpatrick beers, me and Tyson. It's going to be great week one at L7. So the Ryan Fitzpatrick. No, I mean, but in all honesty, I think he did a great job. I mean, I didn't really love the job, the, love the re-signing of Willie Colon. I understand why they did it, but at the same time, I just I, he doesn't have any purpose on this team, and I could see him being cut before the first game of the season. You want a veteran guard to step in there? I think Brewer beat him out, personally, James Brewer. I think he's better. We'll see in time. But, you know, other than that, I mean, he did a great job addressing wide receiver. Obviously, cornerback speaks for itself with Revis, Cromartie, Screen, Gilchrist, and the 48 other guys we signed. Uh, it shows definitely, though, that we didn't add any outside linebackers that that's probably going to address this in the draft, if not once, perhaps twice. And if not in the first round, definitely within the first two rounds, I would think. You know, if they don't go outside linebacker at six, I could definitely see them going in the early second. But, uh, I mean, he addressed a lot of holes. He brought in some proven veteran players who have done well in this league, are respected in this league, no-nonsense guys. I mean, even Brandon Marshall, Todd Bowles knows him. They wouldn't have brought him in if they didn't trust him and, you know, trust his work ethic. So, Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm fine with that. You know, it's a little skeptical with people, you know, Revis, Cromartie, Marshall, all 30-plus, so you have to worry. At some point, they're going to start breaking down. Marshall started to do that a little bit last year. But, you know, you hope that that's not the case. And if it is, hey, Marshall, Cromartie, those guys are basically on one-year deal. They can be cut right next year if they get hurt or, you know, are underperforming or hit that wall. So I think he did a very good job, and we still have plenty of money to spend next year. Yeah, are you nervous? About the fact that Muhammad Wilkerson has not be re- has not been re-signed yet, does that kind of shake nah. you up at all, or do you think we'll eventually get the deal done? No, I'm not nervous. I think I think we'll definitely get that deal done. You know when I'll be nervous, Joe, is when he misses if he misses training camp because you know okay. yep. right now who cares? Who cares if he's out in May? Who cares if he's out in June? If he's not there day one in training camp, that's when I start to get nervous because like we saw with Revis back in 2010. You know, he didn't show up until, what, a week before the first game and three games in, he was hurt. So we don't want that. We don't want to see Wilkerson get hurt and have, you know, he only plays in ten games and the ten games that he plays and he's subpar for five of them. You know, we don't want that. We don't need that as a team. That's when I'll get nervous. Right now, no. I believe in McCallion, McCallion when he says, oh, look at his contract after the draft. You can look at it after the draft. Heck, look at it in June. Take a month off after the draft. Go to the Bahamas. Congratulate yourself for a great offseason, Mike. But as long as you get him in here July 27th or 25th, whenever it starts, I'm fine. It's fine by me. Just get him in there by that first day of training camp. Otherwise, then things will get interesting. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think something's going to get done, and I don't, I don't think it's it's a concern. Like like you said, Joe, it's like if they start missing, like everything's voluntary right now. Even like Sheldon missed today, Calvin Pryor missed today. None of this is that is is, is eye opening. You start missing actual practices, things like that, then. I'll be concerned. Joe, before we let you go, first of all, thank you for calling in, man, because we love talking to you. Um, give everybody your information. Give information on the L7 tailgate and just your information. Yep, L7 tailgate, uh, home of the Twitter Jets fan tailgate for all Jets home games. you find me on Twitter at L7 Panda. Uh, you know, miss doing the show with you guys. You guys are doing great. I've been listening in, but haven't really had much to say with everything going on. But uh, you guys are doing great. Keep up the great work. Joe, I hope to see you at a game this year, and you better be at L7 with me and Tyson. Absolutely, man. You know for a fact, when I come up there, I'm coming to L7. We're going we're gonna to definitely talk. We're going to have a lot of fun, man. Oh, we're going to talk. We're going to party, man. We're going to party. <laughs> we're, I'm going to be in my Ryan Fitzpatrick jersey throwing you screen passes in your Salim Akeem jersey. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> and, Joe, you make sure, Joe, make sure you, call in, you call in after the draft, man, because I'm dying to hear your takes on who the Jets took and you know, just your opinions. Oh, uh, well, you know me. I'll be booing no matter what. But, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens, man. And Brian Fitzpatrick is here to save us, baby. 16-0. Fear the beard. See you later, guys. Panda, thanks, thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate it. Later, man. That he, He's got some serious knowledge, man. And he's he's another guy. Yeah. He's like Nick, that he's got so much passion. And just he's another great Jets fan that, you know, it's like he does his research, man. He knows the players inside and out. And it's it's always fun talking to, to Panda. Yeah, absolutely. We we went back and forth a couple of rounds on Twitter just talking about offensive linemen and different things that we could look at in drafts. It's, it's always great to talk to Panda, so it's good to talk to him. 
Okay, we'll go to our, our next caller, and this is Ben, who wants to talk about an offensive lineman that Ron Pickett talked about a lot recently. So, Ben, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I called in last week, so, you know, I don't have a full essay prepared on Geno Smith, but uh, this week <laughs> I have a, just a couple questions on uh, uh, on the draft and, uh, you know, my thoughts and predictions. So my first question is about the recent Andres Pete rumors, you know, uh, that we would, that the Jets are in love with him and that we'd like to trade down to select it. Do you believe it? How do you think he'd fit in the Jets offense? And do you like it? Uh, I, I think he'd fit well. Um, I, I think that he's a solid lineman. He's a you know, big guy. can definitely move pretty well. Good, good in space. He's got good hands. I think he's a guy that moves pretty well. Another guy that I was intrigued that I heard rumors about, but I don't know because it's the draft and, Things or smoke screens can be moved around that we might have been tar- targeting a sheriff as well. But uh, I- I'm wondering, my question is, in the second round, there's a guy, A.J. Chan, and there's a couple other guys. Are you looking at other linemen in this draft as well that you think that we could possibly touch on and, and draft? Well, I, I am. I-, I would like the pick of Can if we select him. But the problem with him is, I mean, I, I know uh, I'm a big fan of Lael Collins, and-, and I know somebody else on the show is, I forget which who is, but I, I love, you know, I, if we traded down, that would be the guy I'd want because, you know, if anybody who thinks the Brickshaw Ferguson is going to be on the roster without a restructure in 2016 with like a, what does he have, a $14 million cap hit? Like, he's not going to be on the roster next year. So with A.J. Can, I don't know how much flexibility he has to, you know, swing out and play tackle. You know, Andres Pete, you know, I, he'll play tackle. But, you know, I like guys with versatility who can play all, you know, all around the line because, you know, Ode Ibushi played pretty well at the end of the year, and, you know, I like James Carpenter. And, you know, a lot of people weren't a fan of it, but I thought he was a good signing. And, you know, if the Brickshaw Ferguson or even Giacomini, who struggled last year, you know, if you know if we draft an A.J. can, I don't know how, if he can play tackle. I know Ode can, but, you know, I'd rather get a guy like Eliel Collins or even a guy like Eric Flowers who can play uh, different positions on the offensive line. Okay, so at six, um, who is your who is your solid first round pick at six for the Jets? Well, in a in a dream scenario, if we were, if we were going just like players fall, it'd be Dante Fowler at six. It would be oh. Doriel Green Beckham well. in the second round, and Duke Johnson in the third. But I don't think that will happen. So the guy I think we'll get is well, I, I believe that we're going to try everything we can to trade down, and if we don't get it, I believe it will be Amari Cooper. That's that's you know okay. I could I could I could live with I could live with Amari Cooper now. <laughs> you, is there any player that you would trade up for? No, not really. I don't think it's worth it because you know McCagnon likes uh, he said he likes sitting at six because he's so close to one. But you know, really to get that one pick or even the third pick, you have to offer future picks, and I I don't know if it's worth mortgaging your future. You know, I believe the draft board will fall. You know, Jameis at one. I don't think Ken Wisenhunt wants, in any other scenario, would want to select Mariota, but with him on the hot seat and needing to excite the fan base, I think he'll take Mariota or trade down with somebody. Three, I think, will probably be Dante Fowler. Four, I believe the Raiders will take Leonard Williams over Amari Cooper just because, you know, Michael Crabtree is not a game changer, but that often, that defensive line is, like, 80 years old. Like, <laughs> they need some help there with uh, Khalil Mack. And then five, I believe, will be Vic Beasley, which will – Propel Amari Cooper right into our lap. Now, what's your take? If, if what's your take on Kevin White? 
<clears throat> well, I mean, what I like about Cooper is he's a he'd be a really good slot receiver, and I don't know how Kevin White fits that. I, I like Kevin White. Like I I won't be one of those fans who'll be mad if we saw Kevin White. You know, I, I don't know how much I like him only having one year of college experience. You know, those guys kind of scare me, whereas Amari Cooper's been dominant. Uh, I mean, I like Kevin White, and I won't be angry if we take him because he has that great jump ball ability, but he's definitely not my first choice for the sixth pick. Are there any running backs that you might be targeting in this draft as well? In the second round, maybe third round? Well, the guy I really like, that fit, well, I like Tevin Coleman in the second round. I really liked him. Um, but I don't think it's worth going running back in the second round. I believe we'll go third. Uh, I like Duke Johnson, but an underrated guy that I don't hear a lot about is Buck Allen from USC. I mean, I love that guy because I, mean, I was a USC, uh, USC fan, so I watched a lot of his games. And, he, you know, he can catch, he can do everything. He's a really underrated prospect that, you know, should be there when the Jets pick in the third round that he would be the guy if Duke Johnson's on the board in the third that I'd go after. So, wait, if you're a USC fan, that means you're a Mark Sanchez fan, right? Well, yeah, I, I was. I, you can imagine I was pretty excited when we traded up for him. But uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I I, I don't hold bias with my USC <sighs> players. If if uh, they don't succeed on the Jets, then you know I don't I don't hold any bias towards them. I just I look at them as a Jets player, not as a USC player. I'm with you, man. I, I'm a Notre Dame fan, and when Darren Wall struggled, I had to get all kinds of grief from Joe. So I I had, I had to sit. Ben, thank you for calling in, man. Are you on Twitter? Uh yeah, I am. Uh, give everybody well, your Twitter two, handle, man. Well, I have two accounts. So, like, the one account is, like, my account that, like, my friends will see. But the the, the account I use to tweet Jets, because I don't think my my friends want to see, uh, hear me tweet my uh, predictions for the sixth, for the sixth or the seventh round. <laughs> like, uh, my my Jets account, I think, is New York Jets 7 or something. Um, but my cool. my actual one is just, yeah, it's New York Jets 7. That's, that's my uh, Twitter handle for... Uh, <laughs> My Jets account. Oh, wait, one more quick question before I, before I, uh, you let me go. Um, so I turned 15 last week, and for my birthday I was promised a, you know, a jersey, and he, you know my dad said, you know, the number one pick. But obviously, if we trade down for, you know, Andres Pete, I don't, I don't know if I want an Andres Pete jersey. Who, what jersey would you get, and why? Go ahead, Joe. You go first. What jersey would I get, and why? I'm more of a throwback type of guy. Um, so I would definitely go old Joe name number 12, yeah. most definitely. He's 15, dude. Come on. He's 15 years old. He's a no, no, I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a giant poster of Joe Namath right behind my bed, so, so no, I, I like Joe really. Get the jersey to match. <laughs> <laughs> if I, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, if, you, if you're looking for, a, like, an older player, for me, my go-to is Curtis Martin. That's just one of my favorite players of all time. Um, in terms of our current guy, I'm going to go to Mario Davis. I just I like you know I like what he brings to the table. He's a passionate guy. He's a vocal leader. I like his intensity. So it'd be like a Demario Davis or a Sheldon Richardson. That's those would be my couple options for you. Sheldon picks. Yeah, I would go Curtis Martin, but you know I already have one. I think it was from when I was four, so it doesn't really fit anymore. But <laughs> I, yeah, I think I'll probably go with the Demario Davis or you know a, a playmaker on the team. So yeah. Never, never a bad idea, man. Ben, good calling in, man. Happy belated birthday, and be sure to call in after the draft, man. All right, thank you. Kid's 15 years old. You're talking about Joe Namath, dude. Are you serious? Hey, hey <laughs> do the research. This is a great man for our franchise. Hey, you go back, you get that jersey, all right? You represent your history. That's a great quarterback. Dude, 
The only thing, I mean, yes, Joe Namath had his time in the sun, but can he just please shut up about players already? He just makes you embarrass himself. Every time he opens his mouth, he embarrasses himself. Listen, Joe, I love what you did for organization. Just shut your mouth and sell tailgate gear. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not off. <laughs> you're, you're correct. You know what I'm saying? That's something, that's something we definitely agree on, but I'll tell you what, that jersey is sweet, man. It is sweet, okay? <laughs> he definitely does need to shut up, but guess what? That, that, he won us our Super Bowl, so. I'm rocking that jersey for sure. <laughs> we'll go to our next caller. I'm sure I pissed people off with that comment, but what do you guys do? We're going to go to our next caller. This is uh, Spencer from Wisconsin who wants to talk about, I guess, mid-round draft picks. Spencer, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. What's on your mind? Oh, I was going to ask you guys. Uh, we've, no one, no one's really certain who the Jets are going to pick uh, at six, but uh, what do you guys think about mid-rounders, like the second round? Maybe they can uh, get a second-round pick or something uh, for trading Wilkerson, maybe. Oh, dude, I, I'll tell you this. The Jets aren't trading Wilkerson. I would I would be willing to bet I would walk to every Jet home game if the Jets trade Wilkerson. I just don't – I don't think that's going to happen, to be honest with you. I mean, if there's if there's a guy that you could potentially talk about trading, and this is like a way out there kind of guy, maybe a Quentin Copels, but, I mean, Joe, what do you think? I, I don't think Wilkerson's going anywhere. I absolutely don't think we should trade Wilkerson, and I don't think he is going anywhere. I think that's really a nasty rumor that's going around. Uh, like you said, Copels could be a guy that you would possibly think that was on the trading block. Another guy that – you know, teams may have offered about as well as Dean Milner, but I definitely do not want to get rid of Muhammad Wilkinson whatsoever. We just got to sit down with them and get a solid deal done. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. They, it wouldn't be the best interest to get rid of him, but, I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to get a deal done by the end of the year. Yeah, I, I think they will. Yeah. I think McCagney's stance has been pretty consistent where he's like, you know what, after the draft is over, we'll sit down and work a deal out. I honestly – I don't see it being an issue. Even like Panda said, I mean, I think once he starts missing training camp time, I think you start getting worried. But I think he understands the value of Wilkerson. I think I think Bowles does. You know, he's kind of a face of the franchise as well. You know, he's, he's drafted here. So I don't – honestly, I, I wouldn't be worried about it. Who do you guys see picking uh, in the second round if they don't get Cooper at six? Do you see him going for a guy like uh, Nelson Aguilar for the kick return game and slot? No, I, I don't see him going after Nelson Aguilar. I honestly think that, um, at least in my mind, that we definitely go offensive line in the second round. So I'm thinking A.J. can. I'm thinking, you know, maybe even a, a Jake Fisher, if he's still around in the second round. Um, you know, a Donovan Smith as well. There's also, you know, there's a possibility we could go wide receiver too. Uh, you know, Philip Dorsett might still be there. Maybe a guy. I mean, Trey McBride is probably a guy that you could look at in that late second or in the second round, maybe even third round too. Um, so those are guys that I'm kind of looking at. I, I would I would like to see us at least address you know our, our our offensive line and maybe touch on getting a speed guy in here for our wide receiving core. Uh, who do you who do you have us drafting in that second round? Uh, I, I really do like Philip Dorsett. I think he's uh, he's got a great chance to take the league by storm. Not like Beckham did, but pretty close. Um, I think they need to to think about the slot because Curly kind of went uh, milk carton status at the end of last year. I like him, but I didn't really see much of him after that contract extension. Well, I, I think that, that that Curly being on that milk carton was more about Marty's offense than it was about Curly. I don't think – I think a lot of fans are really down on Curly, and they're all about passion. 
but I think that he wasn't put in a position to succeed. Um, so I think we just have to give him time. And with Gailey's new offense coming in, I think you'll see a reemergence of Jeremy Curley because he's one heck of a slot receiver. He's a guy that's going to move the chain. So don't be so down on him. This is a guy that definitely has the talent to, to, to play wide receiver in this league. He definitely has the talent to be a slot receiver, and I think he'll be productive for us. My question for you is, at the sixth pick, who do you have the Jets drafting? Who is your guy that you want us to go after, realistically? Um, well, realistically, I've, I've, wanted, I've wanted Cooper, like, way before the season ended. And then for a while I went to, oh, for the, the Kevin White hype, and now I'm back to Cooper because I've just watched him since Julio Jones left, and I, I want to see him succeed at Alabama. And he's just he, – he started – he rolled in college. And I think he's a, you know, a lock pick that he would he would be productive from day one for the team. I think that would be a solid pick as well. Would you have would you be angered if the Jets possibly trade up to get a guy like a Dante Fowler or something like that? Oh, I, I kinda would be I would be actually really mad if they traded up because I I don't think any of those guys are really worth trading up for. Even the quarterbacks especially. I think uh next year there's a lot of you know, a big crop of talent with uh, Connor Cook and Christian Hackenberg coming out. And if they decide to, you know, pull the plug on Geno, which I really hope they don't do, I hope they give him one more chance this year. I heard you say that right there that, you know, if you traded up, even if it was a quarterback, because you don't, I'm guessing you necessarily don't believe in the quarterback. Can you kind of touch on that? What, what if Jameis Winston is sitting there at six? Would you draft Jameis Winston at six? Oh, if, if Winston was there at six, Boy, I, had, uh, I would try to trade down. I'd try to get something for it because there's a lot of teams that are looking for quarterbacks still. I mean, you got the Rams that could that could hop down, even though they've got Foles now. Uh, you got obviously the Eagles. You got the Browns at 12. Uh, I think I would try to stockpile picks at that point because I just I think Winston's a good player and all, but the interceptions that he's thrown a lot of a lot of really dumb plays like that. They're kind of questionable for me, at least. Yeah, there's there's some definitely interesting takes on, on both Winston and Mariota. Spencer, before we let you go, who is who is your your final pick for the number six pick? Um, I gotta go Cooper unless they trade down. Uh, I think this guy is gonna succeed with you know you've got Decker. I'm really excited to see Marshall this year. Uh, I think they're gonna finally have a, a valuable receiving core. That's you know, going to put up numbers. It's going to help Gino. Gino's going to look good out there, I think. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm on. I'm, I'm believing in Gino as well, which is getting me crucified on a daily basis. Is there, is there <laughs> one guy that you would be furious about the Jets picked at six? Oh, it's got to be Marcus Mariota. I, I get my heart skips a beat every time I hear him going to the Jets or seeing a mock of him going to the Jets. Fair He's enough. Nice yeah, that's a strong pick. That's a, it's a strong take. You know, it's interesting. Phil Sims, Phil Sims was on Sirius Radio today, and he made an excellent point. He was like, Marcus Mariota was throwing to open receivers like eighty percent of the time. Like his first read, the guy was wide open. So it wasn't. It was an interesting take, which makes you a bit nervous. So I'm, my hope is that Mariota's gone. He's not even. It's not even a dilemma for the Jets. I hope the Titans take him at two, and then I don't have to worry about it for the next four picks. Yeah, I'm with you. Spencer, man, thank you for calling in. We definitely appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it.
Yeah, Joe, there was some interesting takes on Mariota from Phil Winston or from Phil Sims today, and it was like, what? I'm like, you know, like it, this is the first year where it's like the Jets have a top six pick, and I'm like, please don't get a quarterback. Like, I mean, I think Winston's <laughs> going to be gone, but like the whole Mariota thing just screams. I just don't like the situation. I don't like the environment. The, the, the question marks, man. I I just hope he's gone to avoid all of that. To be honest with you. Absolutely, I'm hoping the same exact thing. There's a lot of question marks around him, and. The more you start to delve in with him in the draft and things like that, the more you hear analysts and scouts and people just continue to harp on those things. And those things are just becoming louder and louder. So we're on the same page there. I'm hoping he's gone. And if he does, if he is at the sixth pick, I'm hoping we trade down and get some value and keep Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. If we take him, I'll embrace it. But I'm hoping, like you said, either he's not there or we trade down or whatever else. We'll go to our next caller. This is Mike from Brooklyn who wants to – keep on the, the the draft topic. So, Mike, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? Um, hey, Joe and Tyson. Um, um, how you guys are doing? Doing great, man. What's on your mind? I'm just chilling, man. Um, I, I, I was listening to the um, to you guys. Sorry, I could tell you not feeling um, uh, Mariota going at six, but um, I kind of think the possibility of him falling to six is pretty high. Because um, I've been kind of, like, doing a little bit of homework. Not nothing crazy, like, doing my break or whatever. But um, I, I have, like, a, a mock draft from one through five that I strongly think that's where they're going to go. I think at number one, the Bucks is definitely picking up Jameis Winston. I think at number two, it's a toss-up between Mariota and Leonard Williams. But I think, I think eventually they'll pick the best player on the board at the time. And I think it's – um. Leonard Williams, I think Leonard Williams is going at two. I think at three with um, Jacksonville, I think they're going to draft Dante Fowler. That's why I truly felt like he wasn't going to go that far to six. I think Jaguars going to steal him at three. I think at four, believe it or not, um, the Oakland Raiders are going to pick um, Amari Cooper. So I don't think Amari is going to six. And I think at five, they're going to pick, um, the Redskins are going to pick Vic Beasley. So now – that's, I just gave you, like, one through five. I said Jameis, I said um, Larry Williams, Dante Fowler, Amari Cooper, and Vic Beasley. So now the Jets is at six, and now Mariota is at six. So what do you do? You don't, Do you not pick him at six? Do you go somewhere else? Well, I have two things to say about that. One is that I don't think it's a slam dunk. I don't think it's very likely that he does slide to six, honestly, because if you look at that second pick, with Tennessee, you don't know if everything they're saying about Mettenberger is a smoke screen and they yeah. actually might pick him up, or here's the, here's the other kind of aspect of it. What about the San Diego Chargers? They're still in, you know, there's something going on there. There's some trade talk that could happen where you could end up seeing Philip Rivers. It's okay. I, I, you know, I brought those up, too. Like, I said, what are, like, the possibilities? Like, I said, Mariota yeah. is one. Leonard is one. Uh, possibility of somebody trading up is one. So I thought about who, what teams would want to trade up for number it, two. It could be yeah, exactly, and it could be the San Diego Chargers. That's been talked about before about Philip Rivers right. going to Tennessee. So that's a realistic option there. So I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't, I don't know if Mariota slides because, like I said, even if even if Tennessee doesn't make a trade, I don't know if Tennessee is that sold on Mettenberger. So right. my question is, at that sixth pick, if Mariota is there, that that we could. Even we could trade down. We can also trade down out of that. That's that's another option for it. My question right, is, I, if Mariota Mary is trading down yeah. too, that, I want I want the Browns pick honestly. I want that 12th and 19th pick. That's 
that's the picks I want. I feel like the moment Mariota falls into six and then we're there at six, I'm calling everybody. I want them to call who wants who wants to move up. I know somebody somebody will probably want to move up. And honestly, the Browns would be the first person I would entertain the most because I feel like the 12th and 19th pick is the perfect spot. I feel like there you could pick two first-round picks, at, and then that's the top 20 best players too. You can get an out, you can get an edge rusher, and you can get a running back. To me, I think can like you, <laughs> hello. Yes, can you tell me who yeah, you I, would target at that 12th pick? Honestly, like again, you guys are not a fan of Randy Gregory, but I'm a I'm the ultimate Randy Gregory fan. I think his talent is like undeniable. I think he's the most talented out of all the edge rushers, but I know. There's a lot of controversies. This McCagney being his first year, you don't want to make no mistakes. You want to be politically correct, but sometimes you got to take a risk. But sometimes greatness comes with a risk. You feel me? There's always a catch with greatness. The question is, are you willing to take that risk? Is he willing? Is he worth that risk? I think he's worth that risk. You know what I'm saying? Because not only that, you'll get two first round picks. You're not just getting one pick in the first round. You'll you'll be able to get two rounds, two first round picks. So your eyes, your eyes are getting a good players just went up. So you can either get Randy Gregory at 12, and I, and I truly feel like Todd Gurley or Melvin Gordon will be at 19. So you could pick one of those. And I truly feel like if you get, like, an edge, if you get the Browns pick at 12 and 19, you get an edge rusher and a running back, I think that's a slam dunk. I think, to me, that's the ultimate slam dunk. And not only that, at, at the second round, you get the 37th pick, and you might get, like, who knows, a wide receiver, on offensive linemen. Well, well, yeah, but with that, I mean, just touching on, on your two first-round picks, with, with Randy Gregory, I, I think the marijuana stuff, and I, I understand, but the marijuana stuff is definitely going to scare people away. So that, that whole appeal stuff is definitely going to scare it people. And I understand what you're it saying, is. that you might have to take a risk. But that that's pretty scary. And he also has some issues in college as well. Uh, Gurley, I don't know. Melvin Gordon, don't you kind of feel like with Ridley and Bilal Powell and Ivory that our running back position is kind of already sealed up there? That's, I'm already rock solid. I'm not sold. I'm not sold on the running okay. game. I know they they sound really or whatever, and they resign um the loud power. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But I want, I want someone who's hungry. I want some fresh legs. You understand? I want some a, a kid you can build on. If Todd Gurley, let's just say hopefully what I'm predicting maybe, you know what I mean, might happen, but the possibilities of it happening might not happen. So if they do trade down and either Todd Gurley or Melvin Gordon is at, is at 19, you can, you're, not, you're not telling me you're not going to pick one of those players, especially Todd Gurley, which who, who, to me, even though he, he, he had like his knee injury or whatever, 
but he's one of those every down backs that you could see, you could build on and make a build a franchise around. Like he, he, he has the potential to be great. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But these guys like they like like they're not gonna be there for too long. You understand? This kid has the potential to be great. You understand? So I'd rather take that possibility of them being great. Maybe maybe the, in the first year, maybe later on, um, and throughout the seasons, whatever. But I feel like that would be another yeah. running back. Yeah, I, I could see. I, I, I'm more partial to Gordon. I, I just don't like Gurley's knee injury. That that kind of scares me away. But I, you know, I, I could see Gordon there. Can you tell me who you would be targeting in the second round? I heard you say talk about receivers. Who is the receiver that you would be targeting in the second round to bring in? I like I like Devin Smith. Um, I'm a, I'm a big Ohio State fan, so I, I watched on um, the Buc- the Buckeyes play. He didn't have that much receptions receptions I thought he would have had that year, but he made the most important receptions, though. You understand? He made the clutch receptions. He made the receptions that count. I see what he did to Oregon. I seen that them deep passes, twelve gauges, um, um, throwing to him. He was throwing bombs to him. And this kid, he he's he's a proven talent. He's been doing it since his freshman year. Like I know he didn't have like that explosive year that he wanted to have. And I mean he has his his little issues I heard. But I think he would be a solid pick at the thirty seventh pick if we do get the twelfth and nineteenth pick, you know what I'm saying? I think like I think he's fast enough. Um I think he ran like a four four at the combine. Um and then um, I seen him I seen some of the highlights of the combine. I ain't really go into details or something, but I've seen some of the highlights, and I've seen him doing well, and I think, like, if you could get Randy Gregory at 12, Melvin Gordon at 19, and um, Devin Smith at 37th, oh, my God. You can't tell me one of those plays is not going to be great. It's impossible. One of them got to be great. I'm hoping all three of them are great, but at least one of them will make a difference. You understand what I'm saying? I feel like so- even with – go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, Mike. So, but, but which, what is your what is your final prediction? So, we're two days away from the draft. You're on the clock. What is your prediction for the Jets? I think they should just go with um, Marcus at six. I think they should do it. Just pull the trigger because I think nobody's gonna trade up. Nobody's gonna want to trade up. Um, I think the Browns probably. I'm I'm being realistic. I'm. You gotta be like you gotta think like that's what you want, but that's not what really going to happen. So I'm thinking nobody's going to want to trade for the number six fifth. Mariota's going to be there, and they're going to pull the trigger. And honestly, it won't be such a bad thing. I know a lot of people saying that, okay, it's his first year. Um, he's a rookie. Nobody wants to go through that again, blah, 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 blah. But let's be, let's, let's think about this. Gino doesn't know the offense just as much as Marcus knows the offense. He, they both don't know the offense. The only person that knows that offense is Ryan Fitzpatrick. You understand what I'm saying? So I so if Marcus comes to the field, what is what does Geno really have over him? Two years of experience, but you don't know the offense just as much as I know the offense. Who says I can't pick up the offense quicker than you? You understand what I'm saying? It's like if you put him in the, I feel like if you put both of them in, in a situation where they might compete, Marcus might outshine him. That's what I was trying to say last time, but I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. You understand? It's like you well, I'll give you, you I'll give you, I'll give, I'll give you credit, man. You, you are the only. We've taken predictions the last couple of weeks. You are the first person to actually say that Mariota will be at six and Jets will take him. I think Joe, correct me if I'm wrong. He's the first one. Everybody else is saying he's not going to be there. It's not going to happen. But right? Yes, definitely. Everyone's saying he's going to be gone. He's, he's not. So, Mike, be we gone. got. Mike, are you on Twitter, dude? Huh? Are you on Twitter? 
Yeah, I'm on Twitter. What's what's your handle? Cause we're gonna we're gonna put it out there for you because after the draft comes and goes, we want you to call back in. What's your Twitter handle? Um, it's um, who is like God? Who is like God? Um, okay. It's, we're gonna it's, make sure we we get you on there and because uh, you're the first one. So if this all comes to fruition, we're gonna be like, you know what? Here's here's a guy that the only guy that we had that called that. So there you go, man. I'm serious, but I'm telling you, but it won't be so bad if they pick Marcus. Uh, come guy six five, ran a four five. Great, great, great prospect. Smart kid, humble. I mean, true leader. I feel like he he'll be able to pick up a lot of things from Fitzpatrick because you know Fitzpatrick he's not teacher, so he'll probably see the competition between Gino and uh, and Marcus. You understand? If Gino wins it, then then so be it, man. Gino, at least he earned the position. I mean, I'm I'm not a Gino hater. I'm I don't hate Gino. Like when when they drafted Gino, I was like, oh my god, this kid's gonna do a lot of good things or whatever. But it's like he's not showing me. It's like he'll show me a flash of greatness, but it's when it don't count. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it yep. is, it's not, it don't count when when you're doing all those great things. I want to see some great things when it counts, when it matters. You understand? And I feel like. Well, the cool thing is, dude, the, the cool thing is, we got a whole new coaching staff. We got Chan Gale. We got Brandon Marshall. So, Gino's got a chance to shine, man. Gino's got the chance to shine now. So, so does Marcus if, he, if they do pick him up. You understand? <laughs> so, you got to be there, man. I'm being fair. I, I'm a Jets fan. I'm tired of seeing the Jets lose. I want to. I want to. I'm. Yo. Know, I want a championship. I want to wear my jersey loud and proud, man. I'm tired of the Giants fans <laughs> telling me all of the. Uh, I don't want to hear it no more, man. It's our year. I want to see some great, great things. We got our DBs back, mind you. Minus the Edge Rusher, we're sitting pretty good defensively. Like we're really up there. I don't care what no one tells us. My secondary is. Is yo, we're like the Mike, new. We got, um, Mike, Mike, huh? I'm sorry, man. We got we got another corner line, man. We we appreciate I'm you calling. Sorry, I'm sorry. We'll make... I'm on rant, no, it's all right. You're a passionate, <laughs> you're a passionate fan, man. We get it. But we got another caller. But what we we'll do is thanks for calling in. We have you on record for Mariota, and if this all comes in, be the first one to call in, and we'll give you all your props, man. I right, say no more, man. I'll be the first one to call too. Like what I told you. <laughs> <laughs> have a good night, man. Have a good night, man. Thanks. <laughs> He had a lot to say, man. He he's he he shared a lot of knowledge with us in a, in a ten twelve minute phone call, Joe. Absolutely, he was fired up, and I love it. I love it. I'm I'm the same way. I'm a passionate fan, just like he is. He had a lot to share with us. I want to thank him for calling in for sure. Yeah, he did. And the thing the thing is too. Listen, I'm I'm not a Marcus Mariota hater by no means. Mm-hmm. I, I respect his talent. I respect his ability. The situation he's coming into. It's just tough, man. It's going to be tough on the field with the competition with Geno and Fitzpatrick. It's going to be tough off the field with the, the expectations, I think, for him are ridiculous already. If he comes here, the expectations are high, perform, and perform early. Like He's not going to be afforded the opportunity like a normal rookie quarterback. I mean, the, the media, the fans, I, I just don't think it's a good situation for him. I mean, don't you agree? I, that's that's kind of my take. Listen, it's he's talented. He's got ability. He has all these things. There are some question marks about the system he's coming from, but he's smart. He'll pick it up. But the pressure to perform in this market and perform quickly is going to be tough, Joe. Absolutely, and I agree with that. Um, we're, we're totally in agreement with that. My My thing is just, my my thing is the performance deal. If you look at like you said, there's so many question marks about his about the system that he comes from. That's the thing that hits me right there. If there's question marks about the system that you come from and are you gonna come here and produce, can you come here and produce and you're already being put in a tough situation and you're not a slam dunk at number one either way, then I, I don't know if I don't know if you're a fit for us here. So that's just kinda how I feel about him. 
See, now we're getting to my favorite part of the show because now we're going to bring on our producer, Mr. Kevin, who make sure you follow him on Twitter because this guy, is he's a, he's a very knowledgeable Jeff fan. He knows his stuff. But now it's put up or shut up time, Joe. Now's the time <laughs> when we all put our names behind our picks. So mm-hmm. first of all, Kevin, how you doing tonight, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? So we, you've heard all our callers. You've heard our analysts. I mean, Eric Coleman shared his thoughts. What are your thoughts on the Jets draft? Like, is there – we'll go with the first round. What is your first round pick, the guy that you want and the guy you definitely don't want? All right, well, first off, some awesome callers tonight. Um, some really great draft stuff. I'm really fired up. Um, the guy I definitely want, clearly, Amari Cooper. I mean, if he is there, I'm running to the podium with that pick. He has to be the guy for the Jets at six. There is just no way you can pass him up if he is there. And I'm going to disagree with both of you guys on this. Other How dare than Dante you? Fowler, <laughs> <laughs> other than Dante Fowler, I want nothing to do with an outside linebacker at pick six. Whoa. I think Beasley wow. will be. I think I think Beasley will be a good player. I think Bud Dupree will be a good player. I do not want them at six though. So you're telling yes, me that you don't. Yes, you telling me, Kevin, that you do not want to address the pass rushing position at all. You're not looking to draft a guy that you could get right into the system and, boom, he can produce off the top. You, you're telling me you don't want that. I've said it many times. I think that this defense, as it's, construct, as it's constructed right now, with our secondary, with the pressure from Wilkerson and Richardson in the middle, and I think Copels is going to have a breakout year, I don't think outside linebacker is a huge need, especially as everyone else is making it out to be. I think Babin still has a little bit left in the tank. And I'm really excited to see what Impali's going to do this year also. I think he definitely has a lot of upside. But don't you think the fact that if we were to draft a pass rusher, do you remember when the Giants won a Super Bowl, how they were able to just bring in waves and waves of guys that could get to the quarterback? Oh, absolutely. 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 So don't you think and, and that I, we could build something like that here if we were to take a Vic Beasley or had, a Bud Dupree, something like that? That's definitely a possibility. But also the Giants didn't have the kind of secondary that we have. This kind Bingo. of secondary, it's gonna buy. It's gonna buy so much time for our front seven to get there. And with the kind of blitzes that Bowles is gonna be doing, I mean, I just, I don't think with the sixth pick we have to go defense. I'd, I'd much rather either wide receiver, especially you know Marshall. He's 31 years old. We don't know how much longer he's got. I'd much rather go wide receiver, or dare I even say it? Because I know a lot of people don't want this. I would even consider Todd Gurley if the top five picks go Mariota, Winston. Fowler, Cooper, and then um, Leonard Williams. If those five guys are off the board and there's no option to trade down, I would definitely consider Todd Gurley with the sixth pick. Oh, I can't Todd do that. I can't, I, Kevin. I can't do that. I would do it. Kevin, get out of here. If, if, there's no option to trade, if there's no option to trade down, where are you going with that sixth pick? Those five guys are off the board. Why would you take Todd? But Todd Gurley has a knee, and why would you not take Melvin Gordon? Why wouldn't you just take any type of thing oh, listen, to trade there? Listen, I like Melvin Gordon also, and I said it earlier today. I would actually, mm-hmm. if the Jets end up getting Amari Cooper at six, I would definitely consider trading up from 37 to get into the 20 range and get Melvin Gordon as well. Why would you I, I like take, both of them. Why would you not take Brandon Sheriff there? Take offensive line, Andrews, uh, Andrews Pete. I don't think that Sheriff translates to a tackle in the NFL, though. I think he's going to be a guard. And I actually, I actually like yeah. the depth that the Jets have on the what inside about, right now. What about Pete? Pete is definitely going to be a tackle in this league. Not at six, though. I, not I don't at want him six. at six. Uh, if they could trade I, I wouldn't take Gurley Absolutely. You know what, though? The three down back, 
sorry, everyone says that, oh, you know, running backs are a dime a dozen, but the three down back, the legitimate, the Adrian Peterson, those guys, they're not – if you have a chance to get one of those guys at six, I would absolutely do it. It's going to help Geno. It's going to help this defense. I would absolutely do it. Okay, I think. See, obviously, you and Joe are not agreeing. What is your What is your second round pick? <laughs> well, it all depends how the first round plays out. I mean, if I had to gun to my head right now, sixth pick, I have a feeling Oakland is going to botch the fourth pick and either go Kevin White or they could play a safe Leonard Williams. And I do think Cooper is going to be there for the Jets at six. So, if we're taking him in the first round, then I'm probably looking at someone like Duke Johnson in the second round. Okay, and what about the third round? Third round, you know what? Uh, the the outside linebacker, I believe, from LSU, um, I watched some tape on him. The guy looked really quick. I'm forgetting his uh, – Quan, Quan Alexander, the outside linebacker from LSU. I was watching some tape on him earlier today, and he really stood out to me, a potential third, fourth-round guy. Um, even uh, an, uh, an offensive tackle, I think, could be an option there. Um, I don't think they need to address the inside, though. I really like the depth that they have on the inside on the offensive line, but I do think that looking at Brino, looking at D-Brick, you got to find somebody for the future that's going to be able to replace them. So you're going Cooper, Duke Johnson, and what's your, what's your next pick? I, I would probably go Quan Alexander right now. Okay. Assuming they're not ahead, going Joe. defense with the first two. Assuming they're not going defense with the first two picks. And I, we do need to get younger at outside linebacker. I just I don't want to do it at six. Wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. Uh, uh, my my picks my my picks are definitely not gonna my, my first rounder. I, I'm definitely gonna go with Vic Beasley. That's a guy I think is gonna uh. be there. I'm going Vic Beasley. I don't I don't. <laughs> he, he's coming in. He's gonna beast. So I'm going Vic Beasley. Okay, my second round, I'm going to target a wide receiver here. Absolutely, most definitely. And my wide receiver that I think is going to be there is going to be Philip Dorsett. I think he's a guy that, that definitely is going to be there. So I'm, target, I'm, I'm targeting Philip Dorsett. That's going to solve my speed problem. I'm going to be able to come in. I can come in four wide. I can switch a couple of things around, and, and that's going to solve that. My third round pick. I'm going to go I'm going to go running back. And I'm going to go running back because I want this guy to come in and compete. Because don't get me wrong, I'm not I don't dislike Powell at all, but I want I want a guy that's going to come in and speed me. I want I want a guy that's going to come in and compete, push push me push me to the next level, a guy that I can put in, boom, he's a speed back, a Leon Washington type of guy. A guy that's going to going to move the pile and get things done. And and I know people might disagree with me. They might. But I'm, I'm going T.J. Yeldon. I'm going a guy that, that can move different things, T.J. Yeldon. Or if, if Jay Ajahi is still there, which I think he might be, Jay Ajahi is definitely going to be my pick there. But if he's not there, then I'm going T.J. Yeldon. So those, those are my first three right there. Wow, that's interesting. You took actually, Joe. You stole my thunder, but I'll, I'll give you guys my pick. My first, but I'm I'm still stunned by your pass rusher comment. To be honest with you, but I'm I'm getting over that. I I, I have in my in my world. I, I'm thinking the Jets are going to find a trading part. They're going to trade down. I'm I'm not. I don't know the team. I don't know the number. I my just. I have a feeling they're going to trade down, and they're going to pick Eli Harold from Virginia. That I think that's where they're going to go in the first round. 
Um, my second round pick, Joe took, and I just love this player. And I, I think it's we need to add speed, 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 speed. I like the talent we have at wide receiver, but I want explosive. So, I, Joe, I'm with you. I like Philip Dorsett too in the second round. Some people may say maybe a little bit high, but uh, that's where I'm going. In my third round, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you again, Joe. I'm going running back, and this one may be a little bit higher than people expect, but from Northern Iowa, I'm going David Johnson. That's the running back. Ooh. I'm going there. Ooh. I just I, another player I like, and I'm just trying to add speed, playmakers, things like that. But you know, the talk of a you know a running back in the first round kind of scares me. I could see if you trade down later on, like twelve, nineteen, you can consider it. But I'm looking at the third round value, like, kind of like you, Joe, and receiver in a second round. So I think we're all kind of we call kind of want to add offensive players. And then the only thing is offensive line. I'm hoping if we do trade down, you do we do add another offensive lineman, a younger guy that can, you know, add competition and become a starter down the line. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a couple of guys that I think that we, we can even draft later than that that might still be there that can definitely help our offensive line. Uh, but I, I'm just I'm still blown away by the pass rusher comment. I'm sorry. It's just – I'll tell you, I, I, right, think, Kev, I think Kev, the defense is going to be fine without a legitimate pass rusher. You look at 2010, we had a top defense. We never had that pass rusher. And I think Bowles, the way he blitzes, we're going to be fine on defense. Yeah, but don't you think that things would go so much easier if we did have a pass rusher? Because if you look at, at, that, at those seasons, everything, every time we kept, you know, the harp on the defense was, man, You've got to send a couple guys to, to get to the quarterback. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And that put a strain on the D. Don't you think that if we got a guy that could rush the passer, it would make things so much easier? And the blitzes would oh, be so much more effective. Oh, it, it absolutely would. It would make things a whole lot easier. But I Then think, why not take Vic Beasley early then? I, I think the offense needs a lot more than the defense does right now. You're looking at Brandon Marshall at 31, the Brickishaw and Brino. They're not getting any younger. We don't have a running back sign for next year. There's so many questions on offense right now, not to mention that we don't really know what our quarterback situation is going to play out to be. I think adding as much talent as possible on the offensive side of the ball is what we got to do this draft. I, I don't know. I feel like you can address wide receiver later on in the draft and, and definitely get guys. Yeah, you're correct. Brandon Marshall is definitely not getting any younger. But I think, like I said, if you, if you look at my draft, you go Phillips, Dorsett, and that second round, that's going to shore up some things there. So even if Brandon Marshall goes down, we can move Decker over, and we still got some speed. We still got a guy that you got to you got to you know account for. He's still a threat, and, and even I just I can't see that because even if we go offensive line, we can go offensive line later on. You don't have to address too much on this offense, especially with Jace coming in as well. That that receiving core is going to be solid, even even if Brandon Marshall goes down or even after Brandon Marshall leaves. If you go a little bit later, but I just I don't know, man. <laughs> Not taking a pass up here. That's got me going. I'm just, I'm sorry. I mean, I understand Amari Cooper. He's a great player. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, even if you look at Tyson's mock, if you if you trade down, you got guys that are still there, like Jalen Strong is still there. You can still get with some other guys. Would you, don't, you, you don't would have you to take go wide Dick Beasley over early. Cooper? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. would. And, and, wow. and Cooper's awesome. Yeah, I would. I would take Big Beasley over Cooper. Yes, I would. Wow. Because – yeah, I would. <laughs> I, I, I took Big Beasley over Cooper. If Cooper was still there, I would still take Big Beasley because I think we're in need of a pass rusher that bad. Because we Who's haven't to say had Quinn Copels can't pass- be that guy. Say it again. Who's to say Quinn Copels can't be that guy? Yeah, but he hasn't been that guy since he's gotten here. I'm going off of what you've done today, not what I think you'll do tomorrow. 
Okay, uh, we we've seen you time and time again not have a motor. We've seen you time and time again not play very well. Every, yes, last I mean, year was supposed to be his breakout year. What, what happened? With he's that? got a, he's got about seven point six million reasons to have a motor this year. So <laughs> definitely want that option picked up next year. Well, I, I need you to deliver, Copel. That's what I need you to do. And I know if I pick Vic Beasley here, you know, with with the defensive mastermind here in bold, I know that he's going to get this guy to produce. And that guy was a beast. In college, okay, this is his specialty. So I, I'm definitely taking Big Beasley. I mean, I love Amari Cooper. I think he's an awesome player, but I don't know about taking him, man. Especially when you haven't had a consistent pass rush since John Abraham. We haven't had a legit pass rusher since John Abraham. Oh, we, ha- we haven't I'm had a legit taking receiver since Keyshawn Johnson. <laughs> Well, that's not that's not necessarily that true. I mean, Bernie Yeah, there was other guys. No, I mean, I mean we've had, had some good one B type guys. On, we yeah. need that dominant receiver though, and I think Cooper's that for the next ten years. If if he's there, I'm taking him over anyone else. <sighs> I don't know about that. I don't Kevin, know about that. Kevin, you, just, Kevin just Kevin just know that right now you have Joe so amped up. He's probably not going to sleep <laughs> for three days. And, and, and at our sun, the Sunday show we're going to do our Sunday draft recap show. I'm sure you two are going to go at it again. <laughs> can't wait, can't wait. In the words of Barkshot. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Well, thank, thanks. Before we let you go, man, what's up? give everybody your Twitter handle. I've been tweeting out while you guys have been debating, but give everybody your Twitter handle. Sure, it's uh, KS one nine eight eight NYJ. Awesome, man. <laughs> Thanks for taking all our calls and helping us produce this show. And I'm sure we're going to have you no on problem, after the draft. No this, this, this is going to always be heated, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. Thanks, man. All right, Joe. Looks like Kevin ruffled your feathers, man. You're right over there. <laughs> no, he's an awesome dude. Uh, you know, I got love for Kevin. Kevin knows that. We definitely go back and forth. We go back and forth on Twitter, too. But, I mean, come on. Not, not taking a path. You don't. He just does not want Vic Beasley or any of those guys. And if they're there, he's going to trade down. I mean, come on. I just – come on now. I, hey, we'll I see, man. You know, I, <laughs> I, let, I let you guys just talk, and I tweeted away. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, oh, Joe, be, before before we let you go and move on, first of all, we're going to have a draft recap show Sunday night at 730 with uh, Ron Pickett. So, once the draft comes and goes, we are going to give you instant reactions Sunday night to share our thoughts and get his thoughts on player evaluations. Um, and also, Joe, give everybody your information, our Facebook page and everything else. Yes, absolutely. Our Facebook page, okay, everyone, search Long Beach Joe. Friend us, man. We have so much going on over there. We have debates like you just heard a second ago between me and Kevin. We also have our content over there, too. Go ahead and, and listen to us over there throughout the week, man. Check us out. We're, we're, we're over there. You can also talk to us. I talk back to people as well if you comment. I want to thank everyone that does, uh, you know, definitely comment and support us over there. Shout out to Nick Bros TV. Uh, shout out to Frank as well and the Los Angeles uh, Official Jets Group. You guys are awesome, man. And thank you guys for, uh, you know, supporting the show and promoting us. I also want to – my Twitter is also YoungJ000. That's three zeros on Twitter. You know, follow me. I'll follow you back. You know, comment. I comment back when I can. There's so many of you. I, I really love talking to you guys. You can troll me over there, and I'll troll you back too. I, I'm all with the trolling, babe. Let's go. Uh, also, YouTube, I do videos as well. My YouTube is YoungJ00. That's two zeros on YouTube. That's three zeros on Twitter. My YouTube, please, you know, subscribe, comment. I comment back as soon as possible. 
And I, I love you guys over there. You guys control me, too, and I'll troll you over there as well. And as always, guys, don't ever forget, I'm the man of the people. I love the people. I love <laughs> reaching out and talking to the listeners, okay? Hey, you see me, guess what? If you want one, it's free. Free hugs, bro. Free hugs for everyone. All right, free hugs for everyone. Even if you don't want do. big bees, free hugs, man. Free hugs for everyone. Got love for everyone, guys. Thank you guys for listening. What? You killed me, man. Well, I want to, I want to thank all our callers, uh, always great callers, and I want to give a huge thank you to Eric Coleman for joining us tonight, You know, taking some time out to join us. What a phenomenal interview. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. Be sure to add him on Facebook. Um, you know, great guy, great insight, and you know, he, he, they, they do a great job on SNY with their, the Jets postgame live and everything else. So, well, the draft's two days away. You know, like I said, feel free to tune in to, uh, Sunday night at 730 We'll cover up, we'll get instant reactions, and hopefully we're all coming in here happy. So have a good night, everybody, and we'll talk to you Sunday night. You're listening to Let's Talk Jets Radio. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.